Hey gang, it's Mark. This week's episode features Oakland band Fake Fruit. Fake Fruit Hail from Oakland, California is a long gestating project of lead singer slash songwriter slash guitarist Hannah Ham D'Amato and recently played a run of shows at South by Southwest. Lucky for us, fellow No Risk bander Bruce caught one of their sets and had the chance to talk with Hannah about coming on the pod. And believe it or not, she was willing to do so. So we were very excited about the chance to talk there. As luck would have it, Fake Fruit is coming to Chicago for the first time on May 9th, which is a Monday, at Sleeping Village. So we sat down with Hannah and her bandmate Alex Post to talk about how they got their start, the surreal past couple of years culminating being featured in Rolling Stone and Pitchfork, and what excites them about their upcoming tour. Make sure to check out Fake Fruit's show at Sleeping Village on Monday, May 9th, and check out their Bandcamp page at fakefruitmusic.bandcamp.com. As always, please check us out at our website, nowristbands.com, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at nowristbands. We are joined today by Hannah and Alex from Fake Fruit, a band based out of Oakland, California. How are you doing today, guys? Doing doing pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Surviving COVID. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, my memoir. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I have to ask, uh, I've heard your name is Hannah and I've heard it's Ham. So I would love to know a story around how you got that name. Yeah. um, It's been around since I was a kid. My dad told my sister and I that we were born with, um, I was born with a pig's tail, he would tell me, and my sister was born with a monkey's tail, and it was like removed in this like super top secret surgery. Um, I really believed that for a while, but then I also just like loved food as a kid, so they'd call me Piglet, and then my sister started calling me ham when we were teenagers, and I really hated it at first, but now I absolutely love it, yeah. Nice. <laughs> Grown to embrace it. You are the ham now. I am, I am, I am. I will always ham it up. <laughs> uh, so uh, talk to me about how you guys started playing music. I know there was a, uh, a spaghetti party involved, but if we can <laughs> zoom out, when did you both start playing music? So um, I started the band when I was living in New York. I moved it with me when I moved to Canada. And then um, I would kind of visit the Bay Area because my sister lived down here and my sister went to art school with Alex. Um, and yeah, I met them, I think like at least one time in passing before we really like had a, an intense conversation about music and kind of realized like, oh, this might be a good fit. Um, yeah, the spaghetti party was uh, thrown at my ex's place and yeah, one of the it was my idea. I just, um, yeah, it's something that I do sometimes. I'll just have a bunch of friends over and make spaghetti. I don't see why not. <laughs> Does Alex, everyone expected to bring their own sauce? No, no, no. I, um, yeah. Just drinks. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Good. Good. Um, Alex hit it off at, at the spaghetti part. And um, it only got derailed because um, one of my friends in Canada was dog sitting for me and the dog ate chocolate and had to go to the hospital party like very abruptly ended. But before that, we had been talking about like, you know, when I move here, like it would be really cool to jam. And like, I've been looking for a guitar player and I think you could be it. So, so Uh, Alex, were were you already playing music when you met? mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess I had been playing in some bands in like high school and then 
uh, when I went to college, I, I was continuous, continuing to make music, but basically just like by myself, just like recording bedroom stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I hadn't played live. When we played live uh, for the first time in like 2018 together, that was like the first time in probably at least six years that I played wow. in front of people. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a. Uh, you know, shaking off the cobwebs, getting back into it. <laughs> uh-huh. Like riding a bike again, right? Yeah. I was terrified. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there had to have been like some music that bridged that gap that you guys are like, I like you, you like this band, or I like this type of music, you like that type of music. What was, what helped bridge that gap for you guys? I think at the time, I mean, like, we're like lifelong um, Arthur Russell fans. Um, and I feel mm, like. Mm-hmm remember who wrote the bio but somehow like alex got pegged as like an arthur russell fanatic yeah (laughs) being really excited about about omni at that time yeah a lot of like a lot of noisy guitar stuff a lot of Mm -hmm. post-punk they're like oh like we both like really angular guitar stuff like Uh this great great clip and then and then i feel like after the fact we we found out that we actually have like way more musical stuff in common with like r&b and funk and jazz and all this other stuff that like everyone in the band like listens to a lot more than just like guitar music Mm -hmm. for sure together sometimes too all vinyl (laughs) (laughs) i love that so hannah you've kind of or ham ham slash hannah you've you've hopped around how did your time in New York influenced your time in Vancouver, influenced your time going to Oakland. Like, can you walk us through the different permutations of, of fake fruit as you went? Or if it was just you at the time, your music? Yeah, I mean, it, it was that. Um, but also every time I move somewhere and there's a new lineup, it definitely like influences the songs. Um, I feel like... Well, I didn't go to college. I was going to go to the Berkeley School of Music, but kind of just decided not to do that. And I kind of was like, <laughs> maybe I won't sink myself into really intense debt and maybe I'll just place myself where I would want to be after I graduated from college, which at the time was in New York. I loved so many bands coming out of there. Um, but it took me a while to kind of like, honestly have the gut to find out whatever my voice was like I was playing in a bunch of other people's bands because I didn't really know what I sounded like yet and I was kind of um in the scene of like like level up and like Japanese breakfast like early days mm-hmm. types of bands and I just was like oh my god they were like a couple of years older than me <clears throat> and I just was like man I don't even know who I am yet or like what I sound like and I was kind of like a wallflower in New York and then when I um, moved to Canada, I, I remember having this like thought process before I went, I was like, I'll just be like who I've always wanted to be. Like nobody knows me. <laughs> Fresh and, start. Like, yeah. I can just start my be ready to go. So in New York, it was just me and an ex playing drums. And then I moved to Canada and then it was a three piece um, with drums and another guitar. Uh, but yeah, that's really where I did the majority of like writing the first record. Um, and then moving to the Bay, then we wrote songs like No Mutuals and Milkman and Swing and a Miss. We wrote those all together. And I mean, like every everybody who like plays on fake fruit songs puts their own spin on stuff. So like there's some lines that kind of carry guitar lines specifically 
that carried over from the Vancouver lineup into the Bay, but like Alex puts their own twist on it and like rewrote and reworked a bunch of stuff. Um, yeah, it changes all the time. And, and that's what's been so cool about playing with a bunch of different people. But that being said, like, I'm really happy that I've finally been able to plant roots and like there's a solid lineup and we're like writing together because that was always kind of what I was going for. Did, yeah, did you ultimately have to move to Oakland because you couldn't find any bass players in New York or Vancouver? <laughs> no bass players. Famously. Yeah. City. Yeah. Yeah. So funny. Um, it's funny that you say that because I did kind of try to have one of my childhood friends um, that I used to be in a band with try to come up to Vancouver and start recording bass on the record. And we were kind of like, maybe we can do it. He was living in LA at the time, I think. But then we kind of realized fast, like, this is not really that feasible. And then I realized I wanted to move to the Bay to be closer to my sister. So I kind of was just like, uh, I actually started recording the album in Vancouver and then just like ditched it because I wanted to record it with like the permanent lineup. Cool. But yeah. yeah, that's on our list of things to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alex, was it weird stepping in and like playing something that you hadn't written or are you used to that? Or are you like, that's cool. Let me add my layer and my touch to this. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely sort of a, a thing when we first started playing was, um, you know, like I was not that in, in tune with like learning other people's things at the time. I was, I'm like self-taught. So like, I, I, I feel like I'm sort of missing certain foundational pieces of, of like the instrument. Uh, like I have my own ways of doing things, but learning other people's stuff can be really weird just from that. Um, and I think also I wasn't quite sure like how much I was allowed, I guess first like, allowed mm -hmm. to step in and be like, I remember asking you at one point, like, hey, like I love this section of the song, but like, do you mind if I like, I was like tiptoeing so into it. I was like, do you mind if I like change this part? Like, and just, and like not even close to what the original was, like just totally different. And you were obviously really gracious about it, but I was so like petrified to be like, oh, I don't want to change Jess's guitar part. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's, that's gotta be scary. It's like such an intimate thing to share that music with people, you know? Yeah. And be like, okay, where do I have, can I do this? Can I not do this? I don't know. Yeah, I feel like that's like a big theme in our relationship. Was like at the beginning, Alex was like very timid and like didn't want to like overstep. And then I was just like, you know, you could like do whatever you want. Like I want you to want to play this music. So like you do whatever you need to do for that to happen. <laughs> and they keep changing. Even now, the way we play the songs live doesn't necessarily represent what's on the record. Everything's faster. <laughs> yeah, we play them faster. Mm -hmm rewritten certain parts just to be like as you know as you kind of road because the problem i think I, my with the first record is that we didn't have a lot of time to like road test the song. Mm -hmm. um, and off we recorded it in two chunks and it was usually like we'd have the chunk, the chunk of finished and then just record straight away and then the second one's like right as which is there's something to be said about that kind of immediate that how they feel right when you make them but yeah. but i think it's been really cool with the second one. We had a lot more time to kind of stretch our legs out and be like, okay, we can just play these songs live like over and over again and kind of like see what works, see what doesn't work, and kind of like re continuously re, you know, re examine. Yeah, reevaluate it. Yeah. Has there been anything that crowds have like fed off of and really liked that you're like, oh, wow, I didn't think that they would really latch onto that part, but they have? 
the song Yoke. Um, mm. That was, I think, uh, okay, Keep You was the first fake fruit song I ever wrote, and then Yoke was second. So, like, you have to remember, like, I've been dragging these songs like it's like a fucking deer. Something like that. And I kind of was over it and I didn't think that there was anything special about them. And I don't know, when we were recording um, the first record, part of me was like, I don't even know if I want to release these. I don't know if I want it to be on the album. But yeah, playing that one live and also like keeping out like Miles, specifically the drummer, <clears throat> he really loves that song. Just hearing people in the crowd be like, when are you going to play Keep You? Like, can you play Yoke? I'm like, wow, you like those songs. And it's kind of making me, yeah, reevaluate and be like, yeah, these are good songs. Like, I was proud mm-hmm. of those. That, there's no reason I can't be proud of them now. I like them. <laughs> <laughs> Has your relationship to your songs changed over the years? Like, you look back on something you wrote, like Yoke or Keep You, and you're like, oh, this is what I was really writing about now, and I didn't think about it in the moment. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, the way that I write music is very, like, I don't know, when we write as a band, it's more like, let's explore, like, broader themes, like, whatever happened to, like, Milkman in America. <laughs> and so, with some of those older songs, it's very much me just, like, you know, nursing my own wounds and just being mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm going through something. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking back. Like, oh, maybe she was having a hard time when she wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully now is better. Yeah. Uh, so you're okay. recording um, the material initially. You had read that it took multiple stabs at recording, right? So you had that first attempt and you were like, no, this isn't quite right. What, what made you think that? Or was it always like, once I find my permanent players, I want to re-record stuff regardless of what that first batch was like? It was, like, it was a mix. Um, I was happy with how it was sounding, but I kind of realized um, after recording maybe three or four of the songs, um, I realized that I was going to move to the Bay, which is a whole long story, but I kind of realized like it'll be a lot easier for if these get recorded with the new lineup, which took a lot of patience on my part and sometimes that's probably why I rushed us so much into recording the record. That's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like it all happened supposed to, and like sloppy. And I think the second record is going to sound like more indicative of what the band sounds like now, a little more well thought out. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like that they're at, like from an archival point of view. Hundred percent, and I feel like. You even see some progression from from the the first album to that single "I Am the Car." Like even that sounds like different than what was on F- Fake Fruit self titled album. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, I feel like we're really comfortable writing with each other, and yeah, I don't know. It's just like the most rewarding kind of relationship. And it is really like balancing it, uh, almost like a romantic relationship, but like with four <laughs> people, it's crazy. But yeah, freaking proud of us and how much we've grown and continue to grow mm-hmm. and closer we're getting. I could, I could cry. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't have. We can say that to the end if you want. Uh, I'll join you, uh, Alex. How do you feel like 
you play a role in these new songs like you know the first batch obviously is is hannah bringing them to you guys and being like here's what i have like let's iterate off of these what is that process like now with a, a set steady lineup definitely more i guess each song just really has its own kind of formation that doesn't necessarily it's not like a set thing for any particular song like there's some songs that still hannah brings to us and it's like i have you know my guitar part and some vocals like how do we like make a full song out of this and then, um and then like sometimes we'll just be jamming and then some will, will, yeah and then we have these things called melody days where it initially started from we would we would take big chunks of, of like full band practices to just hannah and i like figuring out these <laughs> melodic sections and like you know a million chords at each other and being like okay and, and then i look over and i see miles just sitting at the drum set like like so bored <laughs> 45 minutes of nothing to do and so at a certain point we're like okay maybe we should just have just we'll call them melody days so we can just the two of us meet up and like you know maybe i'll have an idea or hannah will have an idea we'll just be like okay we can just run these little five second sections of a song a million times and not be annoying everyone else in the band <laughs> so yeah well, it's kind of it's it's pretty case by case like sometimes and then a few yeah a few times i've come to the band with with songs and like yeah it's, it's a little bit more they have a, a whole ass song that's going to be on the next record oh <laughs> i'm ready for it uh, i'm excited about that uh what was i gonna say totally us train of thought it was gonna be great is today a melody day no, no. today's just we're okay. just hanging just hanging okay <laughs> can't always be work yeah grab a guitar pedal <laughs> yeah this really worked out actually because i was planning on doing this alone and then we were hanging out in the backyard and i got like a notification on my phone and i was like oh shit i have to do that interview wait we should just do it together yeah yeah it's a big win for us uh so exactly. thank you for taking the time um so when did it go from like hey let's fuck around it and like make music to like this is gonna be a thing, and like we're gonna like put out an album, and we're gonna like go out and tour, we're mm -hmm. gonna be featured on Pitchfork and everything. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't think we had ambitions to be like, I don't know, I, I think. I we, did. Well, yeah, we had, ambitions, <laughs> I think, I think we had expectations that we would even get like this far, but we, I think, like as soon as you hit the bay, you were like, let's, we're we're running songs, we're trying to get shows, we're yeah. trying to record, like right away. <laughs> when I got to the Bay because I'd gone to a point in Vancouver where we were playing shows all the time and like stuff was going oh really God, well yeah. and I had like built up so much momentum uh -huh. and I got to the Bay and I was like, it's I swear, like we're going to play shows and we're going to do like a lot of stuff. <laughs> a first show. So freakishly hard to get a first show. I felt insane and I felt like, yeah, it was like a carnival barker or something like trying to like make them trust me that like it was gonna work out and i like couldn't even get us a first show because i didn't know who to talk to in town and then of course like after the first show everything was just like boom 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 boom, like almost kind of out of control but uh -huh. and i was like please just trust me like i know it's not working out but like i swear it's gonna work. <laughs> do you think if you had gone directly from you grew up in southern california right do you think if you'd gone directly from Southern California to the Bay Area, that your sound would sound the same as it does now? Or do you feel like those stops along the way really helped impact the sound? I think stops along the way were 
really huge in the people that I met along the way and just the life experience, like being really far away from home, just figuring stuff out. Um, yeah, I, I moved to New York knowing like I can move to LA and probably sound like every Burger Records band mm-hmm. <laughs> East where it'll maybe be a little harder to live, but a lot of the bands that I like are out there and yeah, I'm really thankful that it happened the way that it did and I wouldn't change anything. Hell yeah. Great answer. Great answer. Uh, so let's talk about the new record. Like where, where are we at in that process? Are you guys recording yet? Or are you just getting the songs down? Where are we at? Uh, we, well, we just <laughs> recorded two songs. Yeah. Uh, one of which came out like two weeks, three, three weeks ago, the Spanish version of No Mutuals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. That will hopefully be out soon. Yeah. That'll uh, probably go out before our TV. tour in May. Yeah. I think I think the plan is to self-release it, but we'll see. Basically, like as far as um, LP2 goes, we've demoed out some songs and we're kind of starting the process of shopping it around. And that was kind of a big reason that we went to South by Southwest. Yeah, because we're hoping to, um, we're really obviously thankful and have so much love for Sunny and Rox in your head. Um, but he wants us to grow and like graduate to a bigger label and we want that as well. So we're hoping to kind of, yeah, be able to put out the next record on somebody else's dime. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, like, and do it the right way. Are those conversations just like super awkward? Like, hey, uh, you should make me, you should put out our album. It can be really um, soul sucking (laughs) (laughs) for the the first record. I mean, it was hard. And when we were shopping around, it was like kind of right when the pandemic hit and Sonny um, was actually shopping the record around on our behalf before he decided to put it out. Because Mm -hmm. he was like, hey, I really like this, but we don't have the budget for vinyl right now. And I was like, ooh, sorry. Like, I have my mind made up. Like, I want this released on vinyl. He was like, let me just help you shop it around. And we were close to like maybe doing something with Fat Possum. Mm. But then like part of the pandemic hit and they were like, yeah, we are really backed up. We can't yeah. do this and stuff. And Sonny was like, I'm just going to get a grant and I'm going to put it out myself. Like, Someone has to do it and I'm going to do it. I'm so glad that it was him. Honestly. And it's so cool to have him continue to champion us and like mm-hmm. now like he's like a mentor i don't know we're friends but i feel like yeah he i don't know if i have any sort of questions or i'm feeling kind of like uh, i don't know what to do in this situation it's like okay you want to do kid like yeah <laughs> kind of forth, which is really cool well, you, you don't really want to be in a situation where you're trying to twist somebody's arm to put your record out, but, but at least now, you know, you've, you, you've got a record out. People can hear what you sound like. You're out playing live. They can come and see your band. Um, so that should make it easier to find somebody who loves what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. I think this, this second time around is going to be a lot different than the mm-hmm. first time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you're already getting to go play places outside the Bay Area, right? Yeah. yeah. We've never, I mean, we did uh, Texas last week, and that was the further, like, we had never, before that, we had never been any east of, like, Reno. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. Wow. On the West Coast corridor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And even 
before beforehand like same goes for me when i lived in vancouver we did a west coast tour and that was it mm-hmm. massachusetts so i've never and i've never I haven't played on the east Coast in like almost a decade at this point so oh wow that's gonna be amazing when you get out there yeah about that <laughs> Uh, so what was your South by experience? Like, was that like, a, yeah, let's do it again. Or is that like way too many shows? Is that stressful? Was it great? Yes. And no, I, 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 <laughs> again, I don't know if we need to do it shows in five days again, but. <laughs> I, yeah. I had a really great time. I had um, an ex of mine in my ear. He was saying like, it's so miserable. Like it's going to suck. I was like really prepared and not, sorry, not just the ex, but. I had heard from other bands, like, it's really hard and mm-hmm. it's not that fun. And it's like a lot of schlepping gear, which it was that, but it was also so many other things that I wasn't expecting. It kind of felt like, I keep on saying this, but it felt like being at summer. And mm, that's awesome. All, all these bands that you know, we were kind of like pen pals with online and getting mm-hmm. to finally like play shows together. And I got to meet um, Dan from Post Trash and Exploding in Sound. And mm-hmm tell that me i think that you're the sole reason that like i moved to new york because i wanted to be around so many of the bands that he was releasing that team or whatever and it was just really cool to like get to shake that guy's hand and we got to play his showcase and he was all stoked to have us and i just was like i can't believe that like yeah that this is my life and like everything's coming full circle like this and then yeah, it just felt surreal because there were people out there that were like, knew who we were and mm-hmm. went on, like, more people would come back. There was this one dude, Sanjay, who came to five of our shows, and people would come oh, back wow. like shirts that they had bought from the shows and stuff. It was so surreal. Fucking Rolling Stone taking kicks and stuff, like, thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's got to be like, well, I can check that off my list now. Yeah. Yeah, if that um, was as we go, I, I could die. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you go beyond that. Uh, so when the album got reviewed by Pitchfork, was that something that you guys knew was happening or were you like Pitchfork readers? Or was that like a like a well, holy shit, we're in Pitchfork now? <laughs> um, we let's see, I think um, not until just before. right? Yeah, yeah, not till just before. Yeah, somebody like we had just kind of signed on with um, this Australian couple who manages us. Oh, Apple. They, yeah, yep. yeah, Apple and Jacob. Yeah, yeah, they're great. They forwarded this email like, um, hey, Pitchfork just wants to do some fact checking. And we were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We knew that it was going to come and like there was like a lot of anticipation, but I don't feel like we didn't know exactly when it was going to land. And also we didn't know exactly what it was going to be. Be, if it was going to just be like a blurb or like literally they just said like just i think they sent us an email being like just keep an eye out on pitchfork this week i oh, think it man. Was very, very cryptic really. oh man and i was yeah branching <laughs> the page like just terrified to like <laughs> right <laughs> so when you read that review are you like oh yeah okay they get it or are you like no nah, i don't know if they totally got what we were going for I think they get it for the most part. The only thing that I would correct is like um, they were doing like a deep dive of like talking about like how I DJ and 
play like low rider oldies and like chicana soul and stuff and they were saying that like these are these events that are like curated by sunny and i was like no that's like that's like my people that i do that with like <laughs> yeah you know, completely different but yeah that's my only a lot of times like we'll we'll say like one thing in like a small interview and then other inner other like write-ups will like reference it but it's like game telephone. of telephone where yeah it's like yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden, so what they're going to take from this is that they're like they're ready to be the biggest band in the world right now yeah well we're, we're here to let them set the record straight i mean whatever yeah. was misquoted or misinterpreted here, here's your chance yeah i feel like we get um quoted as being from like weird cities and stuff and when i lived in vancouver there was like one interview at that time and i asked that our last names not be included and then the girl who was writing i was like oh my boss says that we can't do that and that was because it's really difficult for canadians to come into america and play shows like you can't travel with gear it's like an incredibly stressful situation so they just ended up misspelling all of our last names (laughs) but sometimes yeah that misspelling of my last name gets regurgitated (laughs) (laughs) you're like oh thank you for that that's that's going great uh so you just put out a spanish version of no mutuals um was that something that you'd been thinking about for a while or was that just like let's try this out like how did that come to be um I feel like we had had a couple of jams where we were like playing like punk songs and I was like screaming in Spanish and we knew that probably at least one song on the next record will also be in Spanish. Um, I, I knew that I wanted to do that for a while and I have like another band where I sing in Spanish more. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to work on my Spanish in general and it's kind of important to me and also like I love Selena and like I love the crossover artist concept mm-hmm. and this was stoked and like at South by there were these um like radio promoter guys from I don't know where they were from exactly San Marcos or something and they were like we'd love to see a brown girl winning and like I don't know it's they were like so stoked that like we put out the Spanish Mm -hmm. version yeah I don't know I just feel like it's important as far as like representation goes in like these very white male spaces to be like Mm -hmm. here I am (laughs) Uh, are are you seeing any feedback from your audience based on having done that? We kind of just like softly put out that song. Mm-hmm. I think pretty dang soon it'll like go up on all the digital streaming platforms and then we'll kind of like reach a broader audience with it is the hope. Mm-hmm. We'll see from there. But yeah, I feel like everybody has really positive feedback about um, like even at South by was the first time that we were debuting like me singing it in spanish live and people were like that was so cool mm-hmm. yeah before the song she'd be like and and this is like a spanish version of like of a song that we put on our last record and like inevitably at least a few people would be like yeah <laughs> excellent oh that's great um i feel like you guys are, are very self-assured you're very confident in like what you're wanting to do and how you want to do it which is awesome do you feel like that with kind of like the proliferation of, of mediums like Bandcamp, instagram and things like that do you feel like it's easier to like control your messaging and like your image than it would have been previously like is that something you take into consideration when you're making decisions about the band 
Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, the fact that we get to kind of run our own pages, like if you put a record out in the seventies, especially if you were like, you know, since independent labels weren't really like, there wasn't a framework around sort of indie stuff at the time. Like I'm sure a lot of artists like were terrified about the way that they are represented. You know, mm-hmm. they spent mm-hmm. their life working on this project and then a company takes it and it's like, well, we can sell it better if we sing this and this and we you know, sure. use this artwork and do this. But like, we've been so like, it's been so cool. Like we've, been given a lot of agency to like you know like we had our friend pam do the album artwork and like and like we were able to do our own music videos and like no one's ever told us like we're we'll take it from here like mm-hmm. you, yeah. we, we basically are giving them finished products yeah and we're lucky to like work with people who are not really that pushy and like at the end of the day want us to still have agency and like respect our opinions and stuff like working with a booking agent, I feel like sometimes like you see bands start to like do some tours that you're kind of like, huh, I would have never expected that. But then like, oh, okay, you're just like signed with like a big agency. So like this makes Mm -hmm. sense money or something. And there's been some tours that we've been presented and I've kind of been like, no, that's that's not it for us. That doesn't make sense. (laughs) I don't want to do it. There's no like, are you sure? Like there's no pressuring or anything like at the end of the day, I feel like mm-hmm. the team that's like really trusts us, which is really valuable. Do you feel like that's something you sought out people like that, or do you think it's like a combination of seeking that out and just luck of the draw? And like you're like, because that would strike me as like I'd love to think that everybody's management and bookers work like that, but I would imagine that that's not the case. It's like a it's a mix. We're working with like really down to earth people, but also when we were kind of choosing who we were going to go with i was like here are like my core values and what's important mm-hmm. like will you be able to accommodate these things and like will i still have agency and like like are you going to react negatively like if if i advocate for the band and everybody you know just like trusted me and i knew it's going to be okay i fucking love that that's great yeah um i'm gonna ask you one more question and then we're gonna dive into some chicago questions so uh was there a moment where you guys were like oh shit this is this is really happening uh along the way over the past couple of years i heard a lot of little yeah what is it for you and then i'll go i mean the pitchfork review was pretty wild that was kind of like a and yeah. very unexpected, especially at the time. Like it was so much bigger than we were. We thought we were at at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was a huge one for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. For me, it was like just being at at South by, and honestly, like I've been saying this since I met Alex. My dad has had a subscription to Rolling Stone. Like as long as I've been alive, it's always been in the bathroom. And <laughs> <laughs> like, all stuff were coming out like. Oh, he would just get like, get a little footnote in Rolling Stone for my dad. Like that would make my whole life. And then, yeah, at South by we got tagged in a couple stories on Rolling Stone and my dad called me crying. And then, Oh, oh. apparently oh, you have that's... a family that likes to cry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man. And then we were kind of, we were stopped on the street here at South by, um, and this guy was like, hey, my name's Griffin. Like, I'm with Rolling Stone. Is it okay if we if I take a picture? And we're like, yeah, of course. Uh-huh. <laughs> when are you guys playing again? 
and we're like, oh, we're actually playing across the street tonight at, uh-huh. I don't know, or 11 or something. And he was like, oh, I have somewhere else that I have to be, but um, when else are you playing? And we're like, oh, we're playing the surfboard showcase at uh, Hotel Vegas. And he's like, I was already planning on going to that. Great. I'll see you then. And then that show started and we started the set and he was right in the front row taking photos. Nice. <laughs> Like, I gotta work on my rock star faces. Yeah. <laughs> that was a surreal moment for sure. That definitely was. I'm still like buzzing off of that. Yeah, yeah I don't blame you. That's amazing. Uh, congrats. Very well deserved. You know, I, the hustle got to be unbelievably hard. Say <laughs> <laughs> proud of you. <laughs> it was a thing we started saying. Um, I used to have a bowling club, and like after everyone will bowl we'd be like proud of you and now it's just like the <laughs> we always say and like we'll hug each other and be like proud of you oh, i love that i yes. i always go with i appreciate how hard you worked at that that's my go-to uh so you're There's coming to chicago <laughs> <laughs> so you're coming to chicago may 9th this is awesome yes. uh, you haven't been to chicago before uh what do you think chicago you've been yeah, Alex. just a, I, I in an alternate uh, reality, I almost lived there. I almost went to SASC. Oh no way! Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I would say for the that the growth of this band, I'm glad that didn't happen. Uh-huh. But we would love to have had you. Yeah. Uh, very different. Yeah. When you think of of Chicago and like the Chicago music scene, what do you guys think of? Hot dog. <laughs> okay. All right, hey, so not a bad answer at all. No. Stuck. I think of the band Stuck in um, Born Yesterday Records and Chicago Mastering Service. We became friends online with the band Stuck and specifically Greg Obis from that band um, because he mastered um, I Am The Car. And, and the new one. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and No Mutuas. Um, yeah, that's who I think of at the moment. Cool. Um, because for me, it's all over the place. Like, as far as like 90s goes, you have all the like great like emo and post hardcore stuff and like tortoise and like mm-hmm, I guess mm-hmm. I'll go, but like all the like Captain Jazz sort of yeah. uh, the Kinsella universe. So, Kinsella uh, yeah. Brothers, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and then more recently, like uh, like Namdi Obayana, like yeah. And then um, I've really been loving. Spread um, Joy. Spread Joy's record from last year was super good. Um, and I don't know if they're actually, I don't know if they're Chicago based or not, but um, uh, the guitar player Ezra from Stuck recommended this band Lipschitz. Yeah. Uh, and I've been really liking their record. Hey, that name sounds so familiar. Like, I think I've listened to that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> So this probably doesn't mean anything to you having not been to Chicago, but are you, let's, let's reframe it. So, you know, there's two traditional schools of thought on Chicago pizza. It's like deep dish and then like thin crust, which they call tavern style. So having not been to Chicago, um, are you like, yeah, I'm down to try deep dish. Or are you like, no, let me steer clear. And I'm just going thin crust. Or are you not pizza lovers? I'll try anything once. Um, I do have a funny, fake feud with pizza boys because I've accidentally, I don't know how it happened. Just, I'm like a magnet for like guys who make pizza. I've dated <laughs> and it, this happened um, just recently. I was like on a dating app 
Um, and I was talking to somebody about food and, and he was like, I hope you like pizza. And I was like, do you make pizza? And he was like, yeah, I actually started the pizza program at whatever restaurant he's at. It just like always catches up. <laughs> You're like, well, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Bad memories of pizza. Yeah. <laughs> just like semolina in the bed and like all of the it's got it's always on like 500 degrees burning up your house yeah there's, there's got to be a song in here oh yeah God, yeah <laughs> yeah we'll figure it out <laughs> dumb just put out that song pizza punks oh yeah yeah. That's or was true. it just the name of the seven inch either yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've, cool. I've never had proper chicago deep dish um but i but i've had deep dish that i liked um so yeah i'm i i'd love to try it good um there's yes. a chain restaurant um that i used to go to in california called, i don't know who would name a restaurant this but it's literally named bj's <laughs> <laughs> i was really hoping you were going to say california pizza oh. kitchen <laughs> oh cpk's um, barbecue pizza is good uh-huh. um yeah i'm down to try it Yes. All right. Oh, I'll take that. Yeah. Also, what, like, what, I want hot dogs too. Right. I feel like hot dogs don't get enough. Yeah. So, so I'm going to say like, if you're in Chicago and you want to get a really good hot dog, I always recommend super dog, which is like on, on the Northern side of the city, but like they make their own hot dogs. Like people are so weird about it. Like, Oh, I don't like Vienna beef, but they don't make, this is like way too inside baseball on, on chicago hot dogs but that's the place to go they do it right there what about what about um, red hot ranch red hot ranch is also really good and will mm-hmm. be fairly close to where you guys are playing. right yes um, so i wouldn't turn my nose up at that either right and then in terms of like where are you gonna get a deep dish i i mean like lou's is always good lou malnati's is good um you know there's just there are a lot of different places you just want to avoid like the really big chains not that like lou's isn't one but mm-hmm I can go all day, um, but we're not here to talk about me. Uh, <laughs> what What next? I just lost my train of thought. It was going to be great. Uh, and it, and it, I know you probably don't get a, a lot of chance to do things when you come into a town. I mean, you're 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 setting up to play and all that. But anything you got to see, anything you got to drive by when you're pulling into town in Chicago? I would love to drive over the bridge where the Dave Matthews tour bus is <laughs> <laughs> <Get> over. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's important. Yeah, it's and a famous beach. Chicago story. Yeah. I'd like to see the beach. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, you can knock both those out pretty quickly. Yes. They're, they're not too far away from one another. We'll start collecting our own feces so we can <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I love that. Um, Knowing that it's like not only did it ruin your day, but it was like a multi-millionaire that did it. Yeah, yeah. a guy that doesn't have to worry about that ever. Yeah, and you're like, I always thought this guy's music was shit, and now <laughs> this shit is raining down on me. Sorry, I'm yes. not a Dave Matthews fan. No, no that's okay. We're not. Yeah, it really ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> uh, Very good, talk to Alex. us about how this how this tour came together. Like it seems like you guys have been hugging hugging the West Coast. Now you're you're expanding. How did it all come together? Um, the catalyst was one show that we played with dry cleaning in Francisco, mm-hmm. and um, Alex actually turned me on to that band, and I immediately was like, "Oh my god, this is so cool!" Great, it was one of the yeah. one of those shows. They were like this, like 
one of the most exciting like show offers that we've ever done. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, yeah, I bet. I played with so many bands that I love, but like, oh, like this is one that, that we're actually big... like obsessed with. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we went into it with this, or at least I did, with this attitude of like, I'm fully ready for them to like cool guy us and not really yeah. talk to us. And sometimes you play with big bands and they you know they, they say hi and then they go to the green room and, do their thing, and they don't is, watch you know, the set or anything but they run a long tour it makes sense but. yeah but they watched our whole entire set there's like a little like viewing area we could see them up there and they were just like so sweet and cheering and stuff and they were going to play the jimmy fallon show so they had to be super careful with covid stuff and we were told like i don't know by their people something like they won't be able to talk to you. And we're like, okay, that's fine. Whatever, at least we're still going to play a show with You're them. Like, what an but, elaborate ruse to get them to not talk to us. Yeah, thank you. Um, we ended up talking to them, like, both sides. And then, yeah, they were kind of like, then you can lose a little bit because we were hitting it off so hardcore. Yeah. They were such skaters. Yeah, especially we both had really good conversations with our player Tom. And, yeah. Yeah. And then we, we cut, we, he's like, oh, like, wait, let me get your, like, IGs so we can, like, keep up. And, and he also was like, mail me a shirt, and if yeah. it comes in time, I'll wear it on Jimmy Fallon. What? <laughs> You're like, or I it. will overnight it to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then we both kind of just kept in touch with Tom, and, and all of a sudden he was like, have you heard anything from your booking people? Like, we want to take you on the road with us. Like, they bent over backwards and, like, made that happen. Which is so, so awesome. Because so I'm sure their booking people weren't like, oh, you need fake fruit. Like, yeah. there were no- <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. So it was definitely, it felt like going out of their way, which is so sweet. Yeah. Super special. We're so, we were just thinking about how excited we are for that, um, to just hang out with them. And yeah, they're all really good people and obviously like so incredibly talented. What a dream. It doesn't feel awesome. <laughs> Um, Mark, so we've all been Mark. Yeah, I, was ju- I was just looking at our website and I noticed that uh, my brother, Bruce, who who is the reason that we're talking today, because he met Hannah and the band um, at South by. Um, but anyway, he wrote about the Lipschitz uh, back in August on our website, the, their album Chevron. So, yeah, I've been listening yeah. to that. Yeah, here you go. Bruce has great taste. Yes, clearly. Yes. Uh, so. We're we're all been enjoying some some cheap beverages today. My my favorite go to cheap beer is PBR. After like water and diet coke, it's probably the drink I've had the most of in my life. He's a high life man. There you go. That's what are your? What do you say? I said that's champagne. Yeah, it's the <laughs> it champagne is. of beers. Yeah. It so is. what are your go to cheap drinks? What's your go to? We're gonna be like you can give. I see you're drinking Red Stripe right now. Yeah, we're rocking Red Stripe, but my favorite beer and I've been hoarding um, a six pack that I got in Austin is Brooklyn lager. They okay. used to come all the way out to California, but then at a certain point they stopped and I very much noticed. And then started like making all these phone calls, pretending to be uh-huh. like a person for a <laughs> distributor. <laughs> I, I seriously put like four hours of work into trying to get this. Nice. And I wasn't able to do it. So then when we were in Texas and we were at a gas station, I saw it. I bought a six pack and I was like, I'm sorry, but nobody can drink this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can assure you Chicago has plenty of, of Brooklyn lager. You're going to be you okay. go. You know, I'm so excited to drink a bunch of Brooklyn lager. <laughs> uh, so 
Uh, I'm sorry. It, it, Alex, it, I didn't get your answer. Alex held up the red stripe, but that doesn't mean yeah, that's okay. necessarily what he's going with. So uh, I, I feel like, yeah, just like re- regional, I, I like the, the cheap beer of the region. I love mm-hmm. like if I'm in the Pacific Northwest, Rainier. Oh, Ranier yeah. Bear. Yeah. yeah. If I'm in Texas, Lone, Lone Star. Star. When mm-hmm. I'm home in New England or New York, uh, Narragansett. Okay. Wow. Oh man. Nice. Great choices. Yeah. Great choices. I, I thought like you were gonna those. go with with Yingling when you were saying northeast. Oh, that's true. I, I enjoy Yingling. But uh Narragans is a little closer to home because like Yingling is what uh Pennsylvania. Yeah, Pennsylvania. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh the uh Narragans Rhode Island based. So oh yeah. it feels a little well, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Definitely okay. smaller. Yeah, like oh yeah. Like Yeah, you know, I've been thinking this is totally off base, but I've been like, oh, you know, I think I want to make like one of those, like get it into the rotation. And I think it's going to be Modelo. Yeah, Yeah, you should go around. It's so good. Yeah, we have it in the practice space all the time. And we have one of those like fake um, bottles of lime juice in the practice space. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Yeah. And you're like, you're, you're classing it up, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You turn the cheap beer into one of the you've ever had. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I'm going to ask two last questions, and then we're going to be respectful of your time and let you go. Uh, number one, um, what recording or event is the most has had the most profound impact on you wanting to be a musician? What recording event? Recording or event. Yeah, recording, recording or event or a musician. Any, take with that what you will. Huh. I'm going to really need to think for a second. That's a big question. Yeah, take your time. And if you know how to answer that first, mm-hmm. you should I heard you're a huge Alex Russell guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we both. I feel like that was, yeah, I mean, definitely formative in many ways. I don't know. I feel like as far as like the way that I like to play guitar and things that I'm like interested in in that, like, I feel like the thing that really for me were um, the two records that women put out like 10 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, self-titled women and then public strain, just like that super prickly, super dry, angular guitar, like cool. really, mm-hmm. uh, post-punk at the time. Like I think, yeah, those are great albums. Like gang of force entertainment was like, yep. um, things like that. So I feel yeah. like that, the, the, um, that started the spark point yeah into like the opening the door to all the other stuff Mm -hmm. for me um when my dad showed me suburban lawns that was like a huge like aha moment um i really love that band kind of like a terrible you can see it i have like a terrible (laughs) stick and poke on my no you can't (laughs) (laughs) it's from our friend anais who now is an incredibly gifted tattoo artist but this was like, I think everybody had a bottle of wine before this happened. Uh-huh. <laughs> so the way any great tattoo should come about. What was that? So that's oh. the way any great tattoo should come about. Um, but yeah, when my dad showed me that band, I think I had come to him being like, hey, I really like this band for K-Courts. Like a long time ago when I was living in New York and he was like, I think that you would like Suburban Lawns. Um, and just kind of like looking into the lore behind that band and specifically the front woman is like I like calling her like the elusive freak beauty she's just like super stoic and like a character and 
she's like does so much stuff with her with her voice that I think is so cool and I don't know I just like really latched on to that and I kind of was like I want to do that and I want to I want to be like her yeah that was big and we've done a cover band and I did one in Vancouver too <clears throat> but yeah also she's just like she's just a mystery she's like hard to track down and nobody knows like exactly what's going on with her and I actually like accidentally befriended the admin of like this where is Sue Tissue page and we just were kind of <laughs> riffing and all of a sudden I'm like oh wait am I like a sleuth now like I'm, I think I'm a sleuth <laughs> yeah you were on the trail that speaks to the power of dads right like I remember my dad I came home from college my freshman year and I was like dad you gotta listen to this band I played them pavement right i played him slanted and shannon and he's like that's cool hold on and he like goes and grabs like a velvet underground album and he's like i think this is better and i was like well sure dad this is still cool right <laughs> open my mind to velvet underground yeah actually just got asked to be um in my roommate's like dad rock cover band called billy and the jets so i've been like <laughs> that, yeah dads and music are like the best combo imaginable yeah awesome. oh yeah Absolutely. Um, so our the last thing I want to ask is, is there anything you'd like to plug on your way out? You guys are playing at uh, Sleeping Village May 9th. May 9th. Really excited about that show. Anything else you'd like to plug right now? Um, we have a lot of cool new merch from um, designed by our friend Nada Hayek, who's in this really cool punk band in Vancouver called Necking. Um, nice. So yeah, shirts and totes and beer koozies and yeah, all kinds of stuff. I don't know. That's what I feel like we can plug right now. Yeah. Uh huh. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> or like, what are you most excited about over the next like six months? That tour. Yeah. Uh, personally, Excellent. or for other other things like outside of our us. <laughs> Would yeah, anything yeah. you want? It's all free form. About. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> New poem record. Yeah. That's a big mm. one. If you guys listen to that new Camp Cope, that album's really good. Yeah, it just came out last week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sometimes I'm late on the draw with the new stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just got my vinyl in the mail the other day. I'm excited to sit down and play it. But yeah, no, it's really good. Nice. Excellent. I'm just kind of excited to keep trucking along and figure out where our next record is is gonna find a home and like to get to go in the studio and do it the right way it's really exciting yeah that's that's awesome um well again i just want to say thank you so much for taking the time today uh we're really excited about the upcoming show and to see the next evolution of where you guys are yeah sounds awesome all right take care guys thank you See you. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening today. We are no wristbands. We drink for free. Music, of course, has been provided by Merlin Wall. Please check them out on Spotify or on Bandcamp. Please also subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at No Wristbands and check out our website at noristbands.com.